Today's the second day of September. It's Friday. You it made is. it. It is Friday. You made it, man. I did. That's definitely the truth. And uh, so West Virginia played Pitt last night and uh, lost by, what, a touchdown? Mm-hmm. But uh, so your analysis, um, as you feel like that good game? I think it was a great game. I think um, if you look at the team last year, you look at how they played last night, they they played intense, they played fast. I think we were very slow in a lot of our games the last couple of years. Um, so I think it was a great game. I think the offensive game calling was the greatest we've seen in the Neil Brown era. Um, you know, West Virginia fans are the worst because, you know, they complain about everything. Everything was a bad call. Everything was, you know, this, the coach is the dumbest person in the world when most haven't even put on shoulder pads. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Facebook's full of, of, you know, um, the wannabe critics this morning. But, yeah, I think just simply by comparison, I think it was a great, um, I think it was a great game. I think we can clearly see the changes that have been made. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited about this team. You know, I mean, and I, I, you know, and, and I hate to say it like this because, you know, there's there's a body of work that goes into what wins or loses a game. But, you know, if, if a kid squeezes the ball on that pass and it doesn't end up going through his hands and, and making an interception, we win that game. Right. And, um, you know, I think in in the most recent years, uh, we probably wouldn't have even been that close. So, yeah, I was very encouraged. I thought so, too. I, I thought there for a while we, we could have won it, you know. I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think for the most part we we did win it everywhere but the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just think that one play um, gave Pitt what they needed to um, to jump back in, and, and, and I hate it for the kid because yeah. I'm sure he's I, I'm sure he's beating himself up all night long um, right. about it, and um, you know that's why I hate to say it like that. But and, you take that out of the equation, I think we win. And I think that that's that's one thing that people forget is when you said kid, yeah, that's what they are. Yeah, <laughs> these, these kids are kids. Are you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one at the oldest, right. probably. So, yeah. and 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 that kind of pressure, you know. But um, I thought sure that guy. What was is it? I can't remember the school. There's a guy 32 years old. Um, I don't really? know the whole story. I just caught the headline. But there's a guy 32 years old playing college football this year. Um, oh, wow. Which, you know, your eligibility, if you've yeah. never been to school, your eligibility is still there no matter what your age is. And, yeah, that's NFL I guess, age. I guess he's playing <laughs> playing pretty good, too. That is awesome. You know, I'm I'm trying to work through something, and you with your – your expertise. I need some help on something. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. It, it's like, okay, why do they have a T in tsunami? Why don't they leave it out? I mean, think about it. Why do they Are have you a leading up to a joke here? No, no. I'm just, no, I've okay. been thinking about it. Why do they have a K in front of not? I mean, do you need it? No. Cannot. It's it's like okay, picture Jesus doing this. Uh, he that knocketh at the door. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he that not knocketh, and and it's like, and I think about that stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, another one. Uh, you know, do you really need uh, what is it? 
pneumonia? Do you need a P in front of pneumonia? You you don't. No. And and it's like <clears throat> I'm trying to work through this today. I need your I need your counsel. Say it's a Latin thing. And I, you know, I've studied Latin two years worth just so I can understand the Bible better. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Sam, you got any words of the, wisdom? The logic. <laughs> oh, gosh, you mentioned her on air. She's going to kill you. That, uh, well, she had to wait in line. There's other people in front of her. <laughs> that's so funny. Ah, that's a hoot. Well, let's see. Hold on a minute. He that... Uh, uh, okay, let's see here. Okay. So it would be like Revelation 3.20. It's like, here I am, I stand at the door and can knock. I mean, why would you use that? <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, I don't know. I've just been kind of thinking about that today. My daughter-in-law sent me a video about that, and I thought, well, I've got to figure that out, figure out how that works. So um, part two of Behind the Hedge uh, consider Job, Consider Job, Part 2, um, very good, awesome. Still working through some things. You you mentioned uh, a lot about the children uh, last uh, last week, uh, about his about his kids, and, and I wrote down a lot of questions here. Oh, boy. And it's like, it's like... Remember, I'm still on my first cup of coffee, yeah. so take it easy on me. I know, and I didn't even make you coffee this morning. You made your own coffee today. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm amazed. Um, so we are, we are the heritage of our children. No, our children are our heritage. Our, 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 yeah. our, our heritage. So if, if that is true, how good a job are we doing? As a church, how, how good a job are we doing uh, in, that, in that aspect now? Um, well, I, I, I think it depends. I, you know, taking your kids to church is vital. Right. They need, you know, I remember my, our kids when, you know, when, when we were going and they were getting to that age where, you know, church is boring and this and that and the other and, and, and so forth. Do, you know, why, why do we go? Why do we do it when others don't and everything else? Is, and I would always have this answer because this is who we are. Right. You know, and I, I always felt that it was important to show that we are resolute in our faith and we are resolute in our attendance and we are resolute in how important and, and the priority this has in our life. Right. You know? Um, and you know, so I, I think, I think that is vital because if your kids don't see you practicing what you preach, Mm -hmm. they're going to fall away. You know, I mean, if they, and, and if they see you one way in, in church, and see you a completely different way, um, in in the public, uh, or in the home, or or, or wherever. That's going to resonate more to your kids than than going to church on Sunday mornings. Right. So I think it's a holistic approach, and and that's Dobson's theory. It's a holistic approach, in that you know you need to be the example foremost and and forthright in in your home. You need to have clear definitions on on why um, you go to church why you believe what you believe and and how you live um, and then you have to take those steps into into practicing that 
you know, don't let just let your kids hear it. Let your kids see it mm-hmm. and and understand it. Um, but then there's also the influence of of the world and society, and and that's a reality um, that we have to be strong. And this is what Job was actually trying to hedge his kids about is is understanding that even even the best upbringings, even the most moral approach to life. Temptation can still bear witness um, to our kids away from the things of God. And, you know, that's where spirituality comes in. And and we see from Job, Job took it to the next level. Job didn't just go to church, right? Job didn't just pray before meals, right? Job intercessed, you know, for his kids. He went, he went to battle for their soul. He took no chance that they weren't doing it for themselves. He he took the battle for them uh, to ensure that spiritually they were where they, they needed to be um, and protected spiritually. You know, so many of us try to protect our kids physically, mm-hmm. right? But, but Job saw and Job understood and Job realized, you know, protecting them physically, making sure they've got a roof over their head and, and money in the bank and, and all of these things that, that we, you know, pursue in this life is, is the minor battle. Mm-hmm. The larger battle is the spiritual battle. And, you know, Job let them have their life. Job cr- provided a heritage and, and an inheritance for them. Right. But he didn't stop there. And a lot of us stop there. A lot of us feel like, oh, our kids are good people. No, good's good's not going to win the spiritual war. No, you know, and and so he went, he went to battle spiritually for them. And I think, I mean, we all know what happens, and and I think that's where Job had his peace in all of that is that he knows mm-hmm. he went to war spiritually for his kids, and he knows that his kids were given everything spiritually that that they could possibly have and and i found i think he found confidence in that a lot of times our our fear and our worry for our kids is because we have fallen short preparing them for the world and and covering them spiritually for the world we do a good job physically Mm -hmm. but we don't do that great a job spiritually you know i looked over at some when that makes sense absolutely oh yeah when you were talking about that i looked at verse five of job chapter one and let me give you what the new living translation says here it says and these celebrations ended uh sometimes after several days job would purify his children he would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them Mm mm-hmm For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice, is what it says. Yep. So my question is this. Okay. And notice, he made them come. Yeah, because they were there too. This wasn't just a a closet experience between him and God. He made them come. Right. Right. And, and that's why I tell everyone I really struggle getting my, my kid to come to church and everything else. I like drag them. Yeah. Drag them. Make them come. 
Yeah. Make them come. And, and when they get there and, and, you know, there's the responsibility of the church. I mean, we could, we, that first question we could break down all day long Mm -hmm. because there's a responsibility of the church. You know, if, if parents are already dragging their kids to church, Mm -hmm. then when they get to church, we need to make it worthwhile. You know, we need to make it fun. Um, but, but also spiritually engaging right and and give you know give the the parents the support they need once they get the kids there and um you know so yeah a million ways to answer that that question so maybe if they if if the church is doing the job that they should have that that they should do and have good programs for the children um then maybe they won't have a drug problem and I'm not talking about like a substance abuse problem. I'm talking about literally drug to church, you know, because you've heard people say, well, I had right. a drug problem, you know, because they drug me to church. It, it would be more so if I want to go yes. because there's something exciting. My friends are there. We're going to learn God's word. We're going to have fun. We're going to be goofy yep. uh, and, and that kind of thing and learn stuff like that with it. And a lot of churches today are stuck in the mud that they think that whatever the parent, whatever the parents are doing, the kids should do too. They they should sit in the sanctuary too, you know. Although there is a time that kids need to be in the sanctuary and learn reverence and that kind of thing. But they're kids, yeah. And people forget. We, that. we start that with our high schoolers. Our high schoolers are in the service, right, on, on Sunday. And you know, and I, I would be fine if if once a month Luke said, "Hey, I want to I want to take the youth out and." Um, and do this once once a month on Sunday morning. I, I you know I'd be fine with that. Not suggesting it, but but just saying I'd I'd be fine with that. But yeah, I think by high school, you're you're being equipped at school to enter the world. Right. So by high school, you know you better be being equipped at home, and you better be being equipped at church um, to to step in the world and to you know be a, a kingdom citizen uh, as you do. You know when uh, whose fault is this? Um. Not on the notes or anything. Okay. There was an election four years ago, eight years ago, whenever whenever Hillary ran. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so when she ran for office and got beat, um, there were people in the colleges, there were students in the colleges that had meltdowns to yep. where they had to have therapy dogs. Okay. And that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Why? Or, okay, let me. I was talking to a guy, a, a guy about this the other day, in part two on the question here. When we were growing up, we heard nothing hmm. about test anxiety. No. You were just nervous before a test. It's understandable. Yeah. But I hear this thing being thrown around so much, and so where did this start? Did this start at the home? We're therapy dogs and all this kind of stuff. And did we start catering to our kids and saying, oh, honey, it's okay. Or, I mean, where did we go wrong? Another question with a million answers. Um, so let me, let me put it in context of, of this series. I, I don't think as parents we are going to war spiritually for our kids. Like Job was doing, like Job in, was doing in verse five. So I, I think it starts there. You know, we could we could we could point a million fingers at we babied our kids too much. We wanted our kids to have more than we had. I mean, you know, you can look at a million different philosophies, but um, 
you know, and some are right and some are wrong and some are probably in between. But I think it really comes down to the point. I don't think we're going to war spiritually for our kids. I think we're we're making sure they get to practice. We're making sure they have the right clothes to wear. We're making sure um, of of all of these otherworldly things that that at the end of the day really mean nothing. Um, you know, and, and you know, we can break that down a million ways. Is it because we weren't the athlete we wanted to be, so we wanted our kids to be that athlete, um, and and so on and so on and and so on. But I, I think it's just simple. How many people do you see going to war like Job did? Right. For the spiritual well welfare. Had nothing to do, if you read why Job did it, it had nothing to do with their physical well-being. Mm-hmm. Right? The account tells us they had their own homes. Right. They had the, the money and, and capability of, of putting their own food on the table. To, to, you know, drink and, and eat with one another. So they had good relationships with each other. So much so that instead of ignoring their, their female sisters, like, you know, most did in that day, they they welcomed them and enjoined them in. There's no record that any weirdness was going on or, mm-hmm. or this and that. I've heard people try to imply, well, by inviting the sisters, they no, it doesn't say that. Right. You're adding two, right. and and adding two, you know, gets you in trouble. Puts, puts you in big trouble, yeah. and and so no, it, it says nothing like that. So you know, we see that Job's kids physically are are well taken care of. Right. Whether it was Job, whether it was the kids went out, and got good jobs, and did it themselves, whether they worked for Dad and did well for themselves, doesn't really tell us that. But we see they're well taken care of physically, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times we're content with that right. in, in today's life. We're content with the physical needs being met and we feel like we've done a good job. Job went to war spiritually. I mean, I, I talk all the time about we're meant to be the aggressors. He was the aggressor spiritually mm-hmm. on behalf of his kids. He was not leaving it up to them to to maintain their own spirituality. Right. He went to war for them. I mean, get this. They're in their own home. Right. Having each other over, having dinner and and everything else. And Job thinks to himself, "Oh no. What if Satan crept in?" Right. I'm not going to allow this. So he picks up the phone and he calls them and he says, "Hey, have fun tonight." And and enjoy you know enjoy each other's fellowship, but tomorrow morning be at the house because we're laying up sacrifice. Right. And guess what? They came. No right. whining, no screaming, no kicking, no complaining, no murmuring, and everything else. They were there mm-hmm. because they honored their father. Right. Right. They were there. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that the wife isn't there, which we'll talk about this week, but. And, you know, maybe she was, but she's not mentioned. I mean, why didn't it say Job and his wife? Right. Right? Um, so it's, it's you know, I, I think there's I think there's definite implications there. But, um, you know, he went to war spiritually. Right. You know? And I'll, I'll see people break the bank to make sure they get the kids the, the right cleats or 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 whatever. Right? 
And and yeah. I've got nothing against sports. My kids played sports. My kids played travel sports. Everything else like that. I've, I've got no issue with that. Mm-hmm. But they knew church was the priority, and they knew Jesus Christ was the priority over those things. So much so that when it became an every day, seven day a week thing, mm-hmm. you know, Luke, who who was the one who played travel came to me and he came to me. I didn't come to him. He came to me and said, dad, I'm, I'm not in church at all anymore. I'm not in youth group. Um, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not engaged in the school like I was, which was a Christian school and, and everything else. And, you know, I can't, I can't just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So he knew, right. He knew he was missing what right. God wanted for his life. I didn't have to tell him. I didn't have to drag him to that. I didn't have to beat it into him because I like to think, hopefully, and, and I'm not bragging about it, but I like to think I did a good job up to that point, you know, along with Sam to, you know, instill in them, these are the priorities. And when that priority was slacking, mm-hmm. he realized it and knew it and made a decision to fix it. So let me ask you something. Okay. You know, back in back when we were playing sports, we didn't play. We okay, football. Like I, I played football for Midwestern, and uh, so that started after church. That's how they scheduled it on Sunday afternoon. It was it was not early that morning. It was later on in the day. I never knew you played football. I one year. I'm learning. Something I played every ice day. hockey. I, I changed from from that and went to ice hockey. Yeah, hockey did not go well for me. Oh, I loved hockey. It was about the Ever only tell you sport. That story? No, that's about the only sport later. I was any good at was ice hockey. Yeah. And uh, but I I loved it and can still skate to this day. But those guys are crazy. I'm not getting up there on Sunday afternoon with those guys. <laughs> they play. Okay, so if you have, <clears throat> it, it, okay, so we can we can say this as a church. We can say. Well, you know, back in the day when I was going to school, they didn't have sports on Sunday or they didn't have sports on Wednesday night. Okay, so that's crept in and that's yep. full fledged in yep. bloom. Okay. So what does the church And we haven't blinked an eye. Haven't blinked an eye. So what does the church do? <clears throat> does the church how does the church cater to the sports parents and the sports kids? Do you have a separate service for them? On a different night. Well, they practice that night. They're practicing all the time. How do we as a church, or is it our responsibility to... to? No, I don't think it's our responsibility. I think it's the parents' responsibility. Um, you know, we, we've moved our youth service to Sunday nights okay. because it's the least busy used night of the week. I mean, it's still used. I mean, we still have kids coming from games or coming from practices and, and, and whatever. But, um, you know, so we, we did make that concession. It's not like we're like, okay, it's Wednesday night or bust. You know, it's like, no, we, we, we need to minister to these kids and we need to find the best opportunity for it. So that's why we do Sunday nights. Um, but I don't think if a kid's not there, it's not the church's fault. Right. Right. Um, we can't control that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, if it were, if it were up for me, uh, you know, I, I'd go pick every single one of them up from wherever they are and, and get them there right. um, because I believe in it that strongly. But, you know, again, that's not really our responsibility. You know, um, it wasn't Job's next door neighbor's responsibility to offer sacrifice right. for them. It wasn't. You know, 
the synagogue's responsibility to offer sacrifice for Job's kids. It was Job's. Right. Yeah. So, and you've seen this as well as I do, and I know that I'm <laughs> treading here, but when you think about, when you think about this, it's like, okay, my kid's going to play sports, and they're going to probably not get a scholarship. And at the end of the day of the game, it's a game, and you go home. And that's normally the way it is. Okay, so you keep a child out of, out of, out of church for so long, and then they start, to, they start to live wrong because they're not getting Jesus in them. They're not getting taught at home. And then how many phone calls have you had that says, I need you to help fix my kid. Mm -hmm. But the parents are the ones that let them play sports on Sunday afternoon and, or they weren't, they weren't in church, but they want the pastor to fix it. Is there something wrong with that? Well, I think there is. I mean, I don't, I don't get a lot of those calls, but I see a lot of families in, in struggle. Right. Um, because, um, as, as a whole, um, there's more, more dissension in in the family unit than than there is, um, you know, than there is spiritual warfare. Right. And you know, I think, I think that's the problem. I mean, you know, every every household is different. So I mean, it's tough to sit here and and diagnose and put our finger on and say this is the problem. Sports is the problem. Well, no, I don't think sports is the problem. Right. You know, if we if we would stand up. To, to coaches and, and sports and everything else and saying, no, my kids won't be here during this time. That's church. Right. You know, if, if we would all do that, they would make concessions. Mm -hmm. Right. But we didn't do that. Why? Because, you know, we want scholarships and we want them to be the popular kid. And we, you know, we want all of those things. We want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Forget everything else. Ultimately, we just want our kid to be happy. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But we have kind of like what I said in the very beginning, we have to make sure the kids understand the priorities. Right. You know, um, Jesus is priority number one, even above the church. Right. Yeah. Church is priority number two. Right. And in, in putting yourself in a, in a body of believers that's going to enhance your spiritual walk. Right. And, and challenge you to walk spiritually and so forth. And then everything else is after that. Right. Right. And, you know, so I, I think it's creating that priority system that, hey, play all the, the basketball you want, play all the sports that you want, play all this and that and the other, you know, that you want. Um, you know, a, a, for instance, and I hate saying things like this because different people can put the two and two together as I know you're talking about. But Luke, Luke played basketball in school and for almost every Thanksgiving he had practice Thanksgiving morning <clears throat> and we just worked around it and, and, and whatnot and, and made it work and, and so forth. And finally, you know, cause you know, Luke was, Luke was a scrappy player. He wasn't the most gifted athlete at, at basketball. He was gifted in other things, but at basketball, he was that guy who was going to fight you tooth and nail for a rebound and, and, you know, get the ball to his, to his scorers. He wasn't a shooter. He wasn't a scorer or, or anything like that. And, but he knew his role. He played his role well, but he always had to work extra hard. So he was always afraid of, of missing those practices. And, you know, I, I just made the decision senior year. No, we're not doing this. 
this is Thanksgiving. We're going we're gonna to do Thanksgiving. We're not going to do basketball. So I said, no, not happening. Right. And then other parents found out, you're not, no, Luke's not going. Oh, really? Well, then so-and-so's not going. That's your decision, not mine. I'm mm-hmm. not creating a coup whatsoever here. Right. I'm managing my household. Right. You do your thing. And everything ended up, the practice was canceled. Because you stood up. I, well, I, you know, I may, maybe it was just enough for everyone to kind of take a step back and be like, oh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and cancel. Right. What, whatever. I mean, I'm not uh, – it was good people doing that, so I'm not, I'm not – picking a fight here at, at all sure. but but what i'm what i'm saying is and you know get a you know most most high school kids don't get up and watch the macy's days parade so they're, they're probably thinking no big deal dinner's not till later whatever so right. i'm you know i'm not trying to judge or point a finger on that but but what i'm saying is you know if if we stand up for what we believe is important you know in life and we create that priority system within our kids um, as well, then then taking the stand isn't isn't as hard, and I think people will react to it much better than we think. Mm-hmm. You know, because pretty much everyone's just doing what everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Coaches are just doing. Oh, I'm I'm practicing on Wednesday and I'm practicing on Sundays because everyone else is. All right. All right. You know, they understand that that you have a priority system, and that you'll give a hundred and ten percent. Monday through Saturday, but Sunday belongs to God, mm-hmm. and and you make that clear. I, I think in the end they're going to respect you a whole lot more than they're going to resent you. Yeah, you're listening to uh, Pastor Jay uh, Mace from the Pulse Church in Winfield, along with myself, uh, Pastor John Fowler from Gasway. We're talking about <clears throat> Jay's uh, message, which is part two behind the hedge, uh, considering Job, and when you think about when you think about this question that that uh, or the statement that you said, I really gave some thought to this. It says, "What can I get by with and make it to heaven?" Isn't that how we live? Where's the line? Where's the line? Isn't that how we live? It shouldn't matter where the line is. Yeah. Right. It shouldn't matter. Right. I mean, I, and I think that's part of the problem. And and something that has always really stuck with me in Scripture is. The disciples followed him, right? Right. For what? Three years-ish, mm-hmm. right? Followed him, ate with him, slept with him, you know, uh, starved with him, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever, whatever the situation. You see that on the uh, on chosen man. Yeah, I mean, it really, <laughs> like, it really brings it to light. I mean, right. that wasn't that wasn't a, a glamorous lifestyle at, no. at all. But they followed him. They were faithful, and and they stuck with him. Right in in all of that, but there there came a point, and there came a time when on on multiple occasions, Jesus teaching makes the comment, "But when you're converted," that's what he told Peter in the upper room that night. You know, right. it's what he said when he was when he was talking to them uh, about the um, the last days and the friction that comes, you know, and and the the disunity between the body of Christ. And everything else. He says, basically says, and I'm paraphrasing big time. Chris did a great job in our men's group Monday night bringing this out. And he said, but when you're converted, you won't act like that. You won't think like that. You won't live like that. And I think that's a huge piece that we miss today, right? Is 
we believe, right? We follow, mm-hmm. right? But the minute we begin to have to sacrifice or compromise worldliness, mm-hmm. then we start then we start rationing, counting the cost, and determining just how much do I have to do, just how much do I have to give. Yeah. To get to heaven. Right. right? Why? Because you know, we we only want that. It's kind of like we're we're no different than the prodigals. We want the father's stuff. Right. But we don't want the father. And I think the point Jesus was making to the disciples is when you're converted, you're going to want me mm-hmm. above everything else. You're going to want me above everything else and you know and that that's a spiritual awareness and and a spiritual drive and and a spiritual uh, anointing Mm -hmm. that doesn't come through one-ton faith right right It, it comes by by seeking the face of god and choosing it over everything else right right and and i think we bring ourselves just close enough, just close enough to feel good about our our position in heaven, right? Mm. And and I think we miss the point where it says, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've checked this box, I've checked that box, I've I've done all of these things in your name, right? And he still says, depart, because I didn't know you. Right. You know? And, you know, and I think that's what Job really shows us the difference. Job Job really shows us that, you know, there, there's a step beyond church to right. to spirituality. Mm-hmm. And and it's making sacrifices. It's it's falling on our face in front of our kids. And and you know, praying for their spirituality. This isn't this isn't just about getting to heaven. Right. It's about becoming becoming heaven like. Right. This walk that we're on. It's about becoming heaven like. And and so that's that's where that comes so from. So when you think about okay, it's like I had a person ask me one time about uh about backsliding. You know, and about once in grace, always in grace, because, you know, you hear that story every so often, you know, it comes up. So what, you know, at what point does a person lose their salvation? And and I always say this, it should never be an issue to where you have to determine, like you say, where is the line? It should never be an issue. Yeah. You know, it's like you're either all in or all out. Yeah, agreed. And uh, so, you know, as you think through the process uh, of this, what... What does it mean that parents should overflow into their children? What does that mean? It means I should be so full of Jesus and, and his teachings and, and his promises and live it. Don't just preach it, but live it mm-hmm. such that my kids get it. I mean, we can overflow a lot of stuff, right? you know, and, and it be good stuff. You know, I, you know, when, when I, when I turned my life around, I was such a scoundrel. I believed I had to do everything good 
you know, to, to right that wrong, all those wrongs. And, you know, I was in the American Family Association. I was in West Virginia Right to Life. I was in all of this stuff and everything else. I was, I was a youth pastor. I was preaching revivals. I was, I was doing all of this stuff. And, but I wasn't really mastering any of them. And, and I had a mentor come to me and say, where's Jesus in all of this for you? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that the things you're doing aren't good. They are good. They are, they're important, right? But, but what were you called to do? Right. So, you know, we can overflow a lot of stuff. You know, I'm a, I love football. I'm a big football fan. And this time of year, you know, um, Luke Luke's a big football fan too. And we, we talk a lot of football and everything else like that. But, you know, I like to think I, I have overflowed a whole lot more Jesus into my kids mm-hmm. by the way I live, not just the way I preach and talk and everything, but by the way I live, I like to think... I've overflowed a whole lot more Jesus than I have football because you can overflow a lot of stuff. We can be obsessive about a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff that's good and never get our kids to Jesus. We can get our kids to good sports programs. We can get our kids to good money uh, situations. We can get our kids to, to good education. We can get our kids to all of these things by overflowing those things in our home and in our life. But man, if if Jesus isn't at the top of the priority list and church right behind it, we're we're still failing our kids. I don't I don't care how good we have set them up with earthly things. Right. We have still failed them spiritually. And I think Job sets a very strong um you know, very strong uh example for us to to follow in that. So if we are if we're overflowing into our children, then there's also that opportunity to be a stumbling block for them as well. Absolutely. And so that stumbling, you know, when I think about, when I think about a stumbling block, you know, I think about, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in, in the tube, you know, once it's out. And so when I think about, you know, being a stumbling block, it's like showing anger in front of them, you know, getting you know, I'm talking belligerent, talking down. Yeah, you know, being belligerent to to the to the children's mother, uh, that kind of thing, because that becomes a learned behavior. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, and so, uh, you know, when they're mad, how do you act? You know, in your business dealing and and those kind of things, and and so parents have to be so careful. Um, and still yet, I mean, even though yours are grown, mine are grown, you know, you still have to be that example yeah. of not to become a stumbling block to your child. Yeah. And I think that we see a lot of that today. So there, there's a lot of responsibility on parents, and, 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 and there's also responsibility on children. Um, you know, I told somebody the other day uh, their, their child is like four years old and never been in church, and I said, you're four years behind. Mm. And, and she said, what do you mean? I said, you're four years behind. I said, if you'd have started day one with your child in, I said, so there's some catching up to do. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we, I think about that, you know, about telling that person that because, you know, we definitely do not want to be a stumbling block to, to our children in any way, shape or form, but we want to be godly for them and, and to see God do great things in them. And I think that's the point in Job, you know, Job, Job was taking no chance. Right. He knew, he knew nothing was promised, Right. And, and he knew, 
you know, it, it could all be taken away. We see that resolve in him later, you know, when when he begins losing all of these things. And, and he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. You know, he was, Job was so wrapped up in, into his godliness and, and into, you know, his spirituality. And because of, you know, uh, of the dedication and overflow that he put into it, that it, it, it flowed out of him. And even the, the ugliest and, and most horrible of situations, it flowed out of him, right? And I'm, I'm a big believer in, you want to see who a person really is? Make him mad. Yeah. Want to see who a person really is? Make him mad. And, and they'll show you who they really are because the mask will come off. Now I'm not don't 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 misunderstand me. <laughs> I am not let me look at the camera. I am not <laughs> saying go out and deliberately make people mad today. <laughs> that is not my point. Run a disclaimer. But my point is when when people are mad or when people are pushed out of their comfort zone, whatever it is, that's when you see the real person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when they make the little the little pop shots and that's when they they run their mouth. That's you know, that's when their facial expressions change and and, you know, all all of these things. And, you know, I, I remember saying to, to somebody one time, be careful, your devil's showing. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> we have to we have to be careful <laughs> with those very things because that's part of the overflow. Right. You know, that's that's part of the overflow. You know, our cup can run over with bad stuff. Yeah. Not just the good, right? But but Job gives us examples of of pursuing the goodness of God in all that we do so that it flows fully into all of those around us, most especially our children. One of the things <clears throat> are you gonna preach Job chapter three? Um, no, I'm really focusing on behind the hedge. I'm behind focusing hedge. on all, um, all that Job did prior to all that took place. Okay. Um, because I think if we don't understand the behind the hedge mm-hmm. portion of Job's life, then we don't get at all how he handled, um, the despair how he handled the hurt, how he handled the pain, how he handled, um, you know, a reprobate wife, how he handled, you know, um, bad friends, um, you know, in in the midst of all of his pain and loss, how he handled all of that for God the way that he did. Plus, it also shows us that he was able to approach God on a very, excuse me, coffee talking. Um, He was able to approach God on a very bold level because of his intimacy with God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I think we miss that. You know, we miss the, the, the element of comfort Job had with God because of their intimacy, that Job was able to have these conversations with God, and God was able to, to push back and Job receive it and not, you know, not become a little pouty, whiny thing. Like a lot of us do when, you know, when, when the Lord pushes back on us and, you know, or, or some mentor or, or spiritual leader pushes back on us and everything else. And, and instead of growing, um, in that moment, you know, we, uh, we regress, we, we become whiny and pouty and, 
and, and everything, and and it hurts our spiritual walk. Right. Um, you know, so I, I'm I'm fo- right now. I mean, God God can move however He wants to move, but right now there's two more um, sermons to go with with what I have outlined. And uh, and we're going to focus um, solely on behind the heads. Yeah, one of the things that <clears throat> one of the things that I uh, that I've read in um, like chapter three. Okay, go back when you go back to chapter one. Okay, chapter one, verse one. It says he was perfect and upright. Okay, but then I'm I've heard this all my life, and t- uh, and tell me what you think this is. Okay, he says in verse twenty five of chapter three. He says, for the things which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I have, uh, that I was afraid is come upon me. So what he, what he greatly feared and what was he, he was afraid of came upon him. What do you think that fear was, and what was he afraid of? Was it about family? Uh, well, I, I think it was everything, you know, um, I mean, we know the story. Job lost it all. Yeah, he lost his money. He lost his children. He lost his. He lost everything, but you know, a grumpy wife. <laughs> yeah, you know. I got a. I got an old buddy of mine. He he always called his mother-in-law an old battle axe. <laughs> yeah, um, the old you know, battle axe. <laughs> I'm not saying every wife is a grumpy old wife, but I'm saying his was a grumpy old wife. So don't story. add to. Um, but you know, he he basically lost everything. But the things that that didn't edify who he was, you know, his kids edified who he was, you know, they were his heritage. They were his blessing, you know, Uh, his his money and and his riches. Well, it doesn't really say money, but his substance, which is how scripture refers to it, his substance, you know, his home, his land, his his cattle, his his sheep, all, all of the things that he had. Mm-hmm. His substance in in those days made him what we would consider a rich man today right. with money in the bank or whatever. Um, so he had all of these things, and he earned all of these things by being that perfect and upright man. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's that's why we started with verse one in this series because it showed us that nobody, even in his business dealings or or whatever it was, he built his substance. On being perfect and upright. Right. There was no one that could cast a stone at all. On Job. On Job. Yeah. None. No one could say he, he got mad and showed himself. No one could say he was prideful. No one could say he was, you know, a jerk. No one could say any of those things. What could they say? He was perfect and upright in mm-hmm. all of his dealings. Right. In all of his dealings. He was perfect and upright and, and he abhorred evil. I mean, so much so that it made him physically ill to think that mm-hmm. that he would he would transgress against God, and you know. So this is a mindset. This is a behind the hedge mindset, mm-hmm. right? And, and remember what we said in in the first message, right? God didn't build the hedge. No, Job built the hedge by pursuing God, right. by chasing God, by wanting everything godly in his life above everything else. Mm-hmm. And and so when we look at all of that in perspective and, and then take it take it to chapter three, everything I think Job was saying that he feared that everybody around him and everything around him wouldn't be on that same spiritual level 
right. as as he was. And it wasn't a prideful thing. It wasn't a, ooh, look at me kind of thing. <clears throat> but I think it was, you know, everything around me. You know, why did, why did he hedge his kids? Why was he working so hard to hedge his kids, mm-hmm. right? Because he, it says he was afraid right. that maybe sin had entered in while while they were having their their um their fellowship with the brother and sisters right mm-hmm. and and so what we see in that is job was like no 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 i'm not giving that an opportunity i'm going i'm going to hedge that well it doesn't really tell us his kids age but they were in their own homes they had their own substance Mm-hmm. Right, so much so that they were inviting each other over for dinner and everything else like that. So you would think that they were adults in some manner. Why weren't they hedging themselves? Right, yeah. Right, at this point in their life, they should be overflowed into enough that they're choosing the things of God and not the things of the world. Right, which means there's no guarantees for any of us. Right. Job was perfect and upright, feared God and eschewed evil. He was he was God's guy. Right. And God knew it. And Satan knew it. Amen? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I said the other day, I, I would much rather demons fear me than to have claws. Oh, yeah. Right? I, you know, I, okay, great, you're clapping for me, but, you know, are you going to be, you know, hollering for Barabbas next week? Fickle. You know, yeah, because because that's, that's the world. But... um. You know, I would I would much rather demons fear me than than to have the applause of man. Job lived that kind of life, right? right? And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just marketing speak. You know, who let me, you know, let me put this out on the Facebook page because you know, right? Um, it, it it was life for Job. It was it was lifestyle for Job. So I think you know, I think Job in in chapter three. Remember, I mean, he had been, man, he'd been punched in the face. and and in the gut and 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 in every way of his life and you know he was hurting and he was in pain and and i think job was sitting back and and realizing that he had god but he was he was concerned and and overwhelmed with the thought that maybe it was only him and i don't know uh, just that's off, good, off the cuff, that's my best response. To well, that. <clears throat> yeah, because you know it's like you got to be careful what you voice out there, you know, because you know what you fear, yeah, you know, can come up on you, and so you have to be real careful there. Okay, final comment or final question here of, of today. It's amazing how fast time goes uh, today. <clears throat> Do we chase God, or does God chase us? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, Scripture tells us that he stands at the door um, and knocks. So I think that's a level of chasing. Canucks. But Canucks, yeah. <laughs> um, people are just tuning in going, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, so I think there's a level of, of chasing for God. I mean, clearly he left the splendor of heaven right. to come and die for us. That's that's definitely chasing. Right. Um, you know, so, but I think I think there comes a point where, being saved just isn't good enough and and we want we want to to seek the kingdom of heaven 
we want to think like him and act like him and and walk like him and and that's when I talk about God chasers and you know again um, I'll plug Tommy Tenney's book and he send me some money for that but um, you know if if you haven't read that book from years ago that book's probably what thirty years old probably now yeah. you met him at Promise Keepers right um, I did once yeah. yep. <clears throat> um, if you haven't read that book, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend it. I think I've, I think I've loaned it out a hundred times and never got it back, and I rebuy it just so I have it if I ever want to go back to it. But um, um, what he what he shows us in in that book is is how the disciples and others were content with being with Jesus. Right. So we can kind of couple that to going to church, having a a good feeling at church, leaving church with a good feeling and it getting us through to the next week. Right. Right. And then they get hit with all of the stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, they flee, they run, they scatter. Right. You know, 24 hours earlier, we'll die for you, yeah. right? And then when the fear hits, then when the reality hits that, oh, this could cost me even my life. It had already cost them everything. Most of them had lost their homes. They'd lost their, their, their jobs and, and, and everything else. And, and, you know, and, and they literally lived a life trusting day to day what, what God would provide for them. And here they are running back to everything they knew. And I always go back in, in, in situations like this to that moment on the shore, you know, when, I was just thinking, yeah. um, you know, when, when Peter took his clothes off and, and dove into the water and everything else, um, <laughs> someone asked me one time, well, what do you think he swam to the shore naked? What's the significance of that? I said, well, the significance is he didn't want the robe to weigh him down and drown him. Yeah. So he just wanted to get to shore without <laughs> living. I don't think, I don't know that there's exactly, you know, you could talk about nakedness and we're naked before God and you could parallel it to the Garden of Eden and, and, and all of those things if you want to. I, I really just think it was simple. He threw his cloak off because he didn't want to drown. And, you he, know, that. Yeah, because he'd already been down that road before. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. it's like he learned. And so experience. he swam to shore. But, um, you know, you could make parallels to that. I'm not arguing sure. against that. But, um, you know, and, and so they ate, you know, caught a big load. You know, brought brought it to shore, ate till they were full, everything, and then Jesus has this moment with Peter, and and I refer to this a lot because I think it's a powerful moment, and it's exactly what we're talking about here, right? They were excited and they were thrilled because they were with Jesus again, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus is getting ready to to Leave. to lower the load, so to speak. And and they had choices to make. Yeah. And for years I stumbled over this. For years I'm like, why did it matter? And and you know, Jesus asked, Do you love me more than these? And for years I'm thinking Jesus is asking about the other disciples. You know, do you love me more than these? And then one day, um, you know, I I like to kind of create my own movie or TV yeah. show in my head mm-hmm. while I'm reading scripture just so I can you know, I can kind of taste it. I can kind of get the grippingness of yeah. uh, of of what was going on and and everything else. And so one day, I'm just kind of laying there and I'm praying about this and I'm I'm recanting the scripture through my head. And I'm kind of creating my own movie and everything else. And and just in my own little head movie, I have this moment where Jesus goes, 
do you love me more than these? And, and his hand almost pointed to the boat and stuff that was out in the water. I'm like, holy crap. Yes. I said, holy crap. He's not, he's (laughs) not talking about the other disciples. He's talking about the fish. He's talking about everything that Jesus pulled him away from that he ran back to. Right. And, and allowed himself to absorb himself back into mm-hmm. because of the absence, the present absence of a physical Jesus. Right. Right? So when we go back to what we shared earlier about the conversion, this was the conversion moment for Peter. Right. When Jesus is saying, do you love me more than this world? Do you right. love me more than the boats? Do you love me more than the nets? Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than these things? And and Peter's like, yes, Lord, I do. And and he said, feed my lambs. And he said, lambs first. That's mm-hmm. significant. But he said, feed my lambs. Mm-hmm. And then he asked him two more times. And and and, and Peter's begging, you know, because Peter knows his denial and he knows what he did and he knows, you know, that he's not, you know, fishing for men. He's fishing for fish, mm-hmm. right back. Everything that God had brought into his life had vanished when right. when the physical Jesus vanished and so forth. And, and Jesus is is giving him the, the command to, to go, you know, and preach the gospel ultimately yeah. and in this moment. And it converts him. Yeah. The light bulb goes off and it converts him and he realizes there is more of you in me than there is in the world, Romans, yep. right? There's more of you in me than there is in the world. And yes, I will feed your lambs. Yes, I will feed your sheep. Yes, I will, I will preach your gospel. This is a conversion moment where it wasn't just about the feel-good mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus, but it was about the intimacy and overflow right. of God in his life and and leveling up as as the world would say today right. in in his pursuit of Jesus that's when peter became a god chaser right right he became he was a hanger outer yeah yeah he <laughs> right? was <laughs> he, he was hanging out with jesus and loving every minute of it yeah right it was in this moment that he became a god chaser right that is so powerful wow that's good stuff you know here's here's what i I'm sitting here. I, I looked up um, how, that book's like twelve fifty nine. I don't know how they got that on Amazon. You know, twelve fifty nine. All price. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, even after all these years, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, I've got one in Gasway, and I need to read. I need to reread that, and I want to read all through Job. You know, and just challenge myself to read all all of Job and and to finish and and to reread that uh, God Chaser. Yeah, you know, because I think it's it's an awesome book. If if you can get that, I encourage you to uh, to do that. So, what's going on, Winfield? We are um, there's a lot going on. We've got our women's group are getting ready to go to their first conference, and uh, they've oh. got a fundraiser that will finish up this um, this Monday on Labor Day. We're going to pull the winner of their fundraiser uh, for five hundred dollars, four fifty, five hundred dollars worth, um, give or take, of gift cards. And um, uh, it's five dollars for a ticket or five tickets for 20. Um, So if if you're interested, message me or or message one of the ladies in the church um, and they can get those for you. They're raising money for that. They're going to um, Pigeon Forge 
and it's the Women of Joy Conference. Oh, cool. Um, read a lot of good things, heard a lot of good things about it. So we're excited for them. Uh, our goal is that the men and women alternate. So this, you know, went ladies first. So um, the women are going this year, and then uh, next year um, we're hoping that our men uh, can attend a conference um, cool. as well. And, um, you know, so we're, we're doing that. So they're raising money for that. We're also, um, within the church, um, raising money to uh, replace our air conditioner. We had, uh, air conditioning unit for our worship center went out. So we're also doing that. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, I knew a few weeks ago when, when we started the series and, and, you know, we kind of called out, um, you know, Satan and, and I made the comment that, you know, I'm not tempted by the things that I'm tempted, that I used to be tempted of, mm-hmm. you know, now Satan you know, works to annoy me and, and frustrate me and, and hinder me more than he does tempt me. Um, you know, because you, you know, the, the things that used to work for me temptation wise don't work for me at that level anymore. So, you know, he, he tries to disrupt in, in other ways. Well, you know, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, Oh, here, here it goes. You know, Satan's going to try to disrupt and he certainly is. But you know, man, I, I am thankful for a, a wonderful group of people yes. uh, that just bind together, work together, uh, work, uh, work for the common good of, of coming up with solutions and the right solution, you know, not just jumping on, on anything and, um, so forth. So, um, you know, I'm thankful for them and, and, and all of the work that they've put into it this week to, to get us in a good place. And, you know, it looks like hopefully, uh, not by this Sunday, so still wear your shorts and stuff this Sunday, but, um, by next Sunday we should, you know, we're expecting to be in a pretty good place, um, with that again. Absolutely. So, hey, that's good stuff. All the normal stuff, Monday nights, men and women's group, Sunday nights is our, um, Sunday nights is our uh, 356, our, our teens. What did you say, Sam? Monday's canceled. Oh, week. yeah, it's Labor Day this week. <laughs> okay. So we're canceled this week, but most Mondays, most Mondays. Uh, is men and women's group. But, yeah, this, this Monday is Labor Day. I got you. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Man, yeah, I, I did not realize. We usually have our family fun day the first Sunday uh, of each month, and uh, I've just been so consumed with so many things until someone said that the other day. I was just like, oh, crap, it's first Sunday. I had I had no clue. So. Uh, it's, I think it's supposed to rain, so it may be a good thing. That Is you're, it? Yeah, it's supposed to. Yeah, I think that uh, it's Monday, 70% chance scattered thunderstorms. Ah, maybe not. Gotcha. Who knows? Well, I tell you what, if you're not where you need to be with Jesus, you can fix this right now. All you have to do is ask him to forgive you of your sins. We never want to have a podcast that we're not asking you to to examine your life and to find out where you are with Jesus. If you're not where you need to be with him, you can change this right now. Just say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and live. Uh, And at that point, he forgives you and you move forward and you press and, and you need to to uh, forget your history, stop living in your history, and uh, start living in the now and planning for the future of what God has for you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Read that one; it's a great scripture. He knows He has a plan for your life, and a and an expected end. So I want to I want to encourage you today. Let me tell you something. God is on the move in the Pulse Church. We're excited Jesus. about what He's doing. He, we've got the Winfield campus, the Gasway campus. Um, planning on a, a launch of a new campus in Charleston the first quarter of next year, at, uh, Easter Sunday of 2023, uh, with Rich and Olivia Anderson. So we're really excited about that. So we need your prayers. We need your support. And we're just believing for God to do great things uh, in this ministry. Um, you want to help on this air conditioning uh, 
of this air conditioning getting it replaced, you can text the word PULSE to 1304-244-3187. You can go to the pulsechurch.com, gift through PayPal, or you can mail your love gift to P.O. Box 561, Eleanor, E-L-E-A-N-O-R, West Virginia, 25070. Give, and I promise you, you will be blessed. Pray you have a great weekend. We'll see you. I'll... Even though Monday is a holiday, I'll still be here. Yeah, bless my heart. I'll still be here doing a podcast. So um, we'll see you on Monday, beginning at 8 a.m. for the next edition of the Pulse WV Live. Have a great day, everybody.